Blog Talk Radio. with a phone conversation back in September of 2015 by Carter and I through a series of phone calls, emails, Facebook, and Twitter chat sessions laid out the groundwork for a Harness Racing podcast. What we envisioned was a talk show format plush with guests from all aspects of the Harness Racing world that tied in with commentary and opinions on how to make our sport better. All with one caveat positively promote the sport of harness racing. We felt that there were plenty of places to air dirty laundry, plenty of internet forums and publications that dwell on the negative aspects of our business. Commentaries found there speak loudly about the problems facing the industry, but offer little in the way of constructive solutions. The first airings of Post Time with Mike and Mike were a series of test shows which began on October 9, 2015. One of the many obstacles the show faced in its infancy was the ability to overcome distance. Mike Carter was living in Buffalo, New York at the time, while Mike Bozich was in Maryland. Sure, technology was in place to assure the broadcast would take place, but what about some of the little details, mainly talking over each other? During the course of the broadcast, Mike and Mike quickly figured out that they needed to give each other cues as to when to speak to prevent talking over one another. The solution? Facebook Messenger. During live interviews, Mike and Mike communicate through Messenger, who's going to ask the guest the next question, what to ask, etc. That is one of the many things that happened behind the scenes of a post-time with Mike and Mike broadcast. 
others include posting on social media, screening phone calls, lining up guests, running the studio, and queuing up commercials. Our motto at the beginning was, Every hoof that hits the racetrack has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stink source. And throughout the past year, many stories were told here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. During this broadcast, we will relive a few of those moments. Plus, John Pavanel will join us. John is a great fit for this edition because as Post Time with Mike and Mike reflects on its history, John reflects on the bigger picture. Through his interview and his Facebook page, aptly named Harness Racing History, Pavanel looks back on the golden age of harness racing. That interview, along with Gabe Pruitt and so much more, is next on this very special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, the year in review. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It's our year in review show. I'm Mike Bozich. The first stop on memory lane is the passing of Mac Lobel, the fantastic Toronto that passed away in Sweden at the age of 32 back in February. Mac Lobel had an astounding career, 71 wins and 94 lifetime starts, earning just under $4 million during his Hall of Fame career. His major wins included three Breeders' Crown Finals, the 1987 Hambletonian, and the 1988 Elite Lob, a race he would win again just a couple of years later. He was Horse of the Year in both the United States in 1987 and 1988, and Sweden in 1989. Shortly after Mac Lobel's passing, we had a chance to catch up with Hall of Fame driver John Campbell and the regular pilot of the great Mac Lobel. Let's relive that interview. What a horse, what a driver. It's Matt Lopel, referee Pie Pie. Classic Jazz is second. Down the lane they come. It's Matt Lopel. Now by seven and drawn away. Nummer ett, Mac Lobel, följt av två, Sugar Cane, Hanover och fyra, Napolitano. Vårt är hos, vårt driver, nummer ett, Mac Lobel och John D. Campbell. Mac 
Back on post time with Mike and Mike, you've got Bozich and Carter, and right now we're joined by Hall of Fame driver John Campbell. And uh, John, just a couple of days ago, Harness Racing lost uh, one of its greats, one of the best riders of all time, and Mac Lobel. What did this horse mean to you personally and professionally, John? Well, from a personal standpoint, I I just had so much admiration for him, and I knew how gifted he was when I was driving. It wasn't something that I thought back on and and realized you know, how great he was. I knew going through it that this was really, really special. And, um, it, uh, from a personal, that, that's from a personal standpoint, professionally, he certainly, uh, made my name known worldwide just because of the feats of Mac Lobel. I mean, uh, you know, certainly winning the Hamiltonian and then going over to the elite lap, uh, he kind of carried me along for the, for the ride from a, a fame standpoint. Now, John, uh, as a two-year-old, he was a Breeders' Crown champion. And uh, when did you first realize that Mac LaBelle was going to be uh, something special? Well, when I first started driving him, it was in early in his two-year-old year, he, he had a tendency for his mind to wander, and you really had to watch him through the stretch. Like, he'd be trotting along, and he might veer out, or he might go off stride, or he just wouldn't pay attention. And we kind of dealt with that. He, he was second in the Peter Houghton stake, which is obviously a big stake for us uh, the first time I drove him. And um, he won some races. He really didn't get it all to click in until we went to Delaware for Little Brown Jug Week. He had a two-year-old stake there, and he raced two heats there. And both heats that day, he just raced like a pro, and it kind of clicked. And from then on in his two-year-old year, he, he just he never made any mistakes. He um, you know, was very professional and, and knew what he was out there for from then on. John, did uh, Mac Lobel have any preference as far as size of track is concerned? Half mile, five eighths mile. Did he get around the half pretty good? Yeah, he got around a half perfect. I mean, he, he broke that world record of Neville Prides that had stood for so long at Saratoga. You know, he won at Yonkers. Um, you know, he and obviously the mile track, he had no problem there. That's what kind of made him so great. It didn't matter where you took him or what kind of track he raced over or what kind of surface. Uh, it, it didn't affect him at all. He was just so pure-gated he could get around any track. And Don, I, uh, I watched one of your interviews uh, before the Elite Lop and saw that Chuck Sylvester had some trouble getting him to go. Was he just was he in a grumpy mood that day, or was he just moody? or? Uh, no, I, he had a tendency to be that way. He hadn't really shown it much before he went to uh, Sweden that year, but that kind of went back to what I talked to him when he started. I talked about when he was a two-year-old, his mind would wander, and, you know, he just wouldn't pay attention. And there were times, you know, he if he got off by himself, you know, he wouldn't didn't want to go. He was better around horses if he could hear them. And uh, it kind of manifested itself more so than we ever thought about <laughs> when he went over to Sweden. And it it was a scary situation. It was a frantic call I got from Chuck uh, when he wouldn't train. And I, I just thought, well, put him with horses, Chuck. And he says, I already did that. And he put him <laughs> on the gate, and, and he trotted. The, the starter 
in Sweden said he never had the gate going as fast as he did, and Max Nose was right on it, trotting out of the gate on the 5 eighths mile track. And he was literally standing still in the middle of the first turn. He just went out of there 35 mile an hour and was stopped in the first turn. So he definitely had something on his mind that he didn't want to work. And we were all concerned, you know, going into the race. But, uh, you know, he overcame it and, you know, showed just, you know, what a world-class trotter he was. And, you know, for a four-year-old to win that race, when you think back on it, it's just phenomenal. Visiting with Hall of Fame driver John Campbell, talking about the great Mac Bell. John, what would you consider Mac Bell's greatest performance to be? Um, I, I, I couldn't really narrow that down. Uh, certainly the elite lop comes to mind. Um, I, I guess that would be the, his best performance because, you know, many of his races, he raced so good, but he was just better than the competition. But over there, he, he met the best in the world as a four-year-old and beat them. So it's just hard to say that he had any performance that had more meaning or was more impressive than that one. Now, John, you won, or he won the Elite Lop twice, and you got to actually go back to Sovala and reunite with Mac LaBelle and parade, help parade him in front of the fans. What was that moment like for you? It, it was absolutely tremendous. I was so glad that I got to see him when I was over there. Uh, we went to the farm uh, and, and saw him, and he, it made me feel so good. He was at the best farm at uh, Marguerite's uh, farm in, in Sweden, and they treated him like a king. Uh, he looked great. Uh, he was full of himself. And one thing I did notice, they had the two girls that, you know, were his primary caretakers, and they were taking pictures, and I was holding them. And he didn't want her out of his sight. Anytime she got too far away, he was looking for her, which really made me feel good that he had that much confidence in uh, in this, this girl that was looking after him. And then we took him to the track, and we walked him down in front of the stands. And... You know, they the fans treated him like a rock star. I mean, they stood and clapped and cheered. It, it was a never-ending standing ovation walking him down in front of those fans. And, you know, I just felt so so great for him and so proud to be part of uh, the Mount, uh, Mac Bell legacy doing that and getting to see him. And he was in such good shape at that time that uh, I really left there feeling happy. And, uh, you know, it was really an exciting moment for me to walk him down in front of those people. Now, John, you've had a chance to win uh, a few Hamiltonians, and you won your first aboard Mac LaBelle. Uh, talk a little bit about that day. I know uh, watching the race earlier uh, that he had uh, some stinging issues in his feet that you guys were just a little worried about, but the equipment change uh, really seemed to help him out. Talk about your first Hamiltonian. Well, you know, obviously he was a big favorite going in, and, you know, we, we thought he'd race well, and he did have some issues with his feet off and on throughout his career. And, you know, racing in the afternoon, it's hard to keep enough water on the track. The track was a little firm and was stinging him the first heat. And that that's one of the things that makes Chuck Sylvester such a great trainer. Uh, you know, he asked me what I thought, and I said, his feet are stinging him pretty good. And he immediately just went and changed his shoes for the second heat. And, you know, some trainers wouldn't do that because they'd be scared of it not working or whatever. But uh, Chuck is always so proactive in that. And, uh, you know, he was confident that the, the other shoes would would make him better, and they did. 
And although if you look right at the wire, he did roll off stride, and that was just because his feet were stinging him. But he he won a tremendous race. He was under you know strong pressure to the half, and then still drew away by open lengths. John Campbell joining us on post time with Mike and Mike. John, where does Mac Lobel rank amongst the all time greats? Well, that's very difficult for for me. He's the greatest horse that I've ever driven, um, just because he did it for so long. Like he he was a world champion and Breeders' Crown uh, champ, two year old, did all those things at three, won the Elite Lop at four, and all the things he did as a four year old, and came back and won the Elite Lop at six, and you just don't see that in the horses that we put so much pressure on. I think he raced 20 or 21 times as a two-year-old. And so for me, just to have that level of excellence for so long makes makes him the greatest horse that I've ever driven. Where he fits, um, that's, you know, that's different. People have different opinions, but he's certainly one of the all-time greats. He was ahead of his time. If you look at some of his world and track records, it took a long time for some of them to, to be uh, broken, especially I think the two-year-old record he had at Lexington stood for quite a while. And even the the mile in 52, you know, if you factor in the different race bikes, and one thing a lot of people don't realize, Springfield is such a fast track, but it was really windy that day. It was not conducive to speed. And so I think uh, where he fits, uh, that's up to, you know, that's a subjective question, but he's certainly one of the all-time greats and was definitely ahead of his time from an athletic standpoint. Hall of Fame driver John Campbell. John, listen, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here today and going down this memory lane with one of the all-time great trotters, Mac Lobel. Well, thanks. It, uh, I never grow tired of talking about Mac Lobel, that's for sure. That was Hall of Fame driver John Campbell in his heartfelt comments about the passing of the great trotter Mac Lobel back in February. Of course, Mac Lobel passed away at the age of 32 in Sweden. More to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. It's the Year in Review show. We'll have plenty more memories as we continue to go down memory lane. Also, John Pavanel from the very popular Facebook page Harness Racing History will join us. Also, Gabe Pruitt in our continuing series with Pompano Park. That and more on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, the Year in Review. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. 
New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification. It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At Bet America, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a graded stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with Inquiry Relief only at BetAmerica.com. Back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, the year in review show. I'm Mike Bozich. One thing that Mike Carter and I have in common is that we are both announcers. One thing that Mike and I strive to do during our race calls is to give an accurate description of the race as it unfolds. Segway into one of Mike Carter's brilliant ideas back in February of 2016 of hosting an American race call of the Prix de Paris overseas in which one of the world's greatest trotters, Bold Eagle, was attempting to win the prestigious French Triple Crown. Here's the catch. One of the mics would announce the race off of the television feed. After a best two out of three coin flip, I was the one who got to call the action, for better or for worse. Obviously, I was quite concerned with many obstacles. Calling off of a small computer monitor with 12 horses and multiple fast-changing camera angles don't exactly make for ideal race-calling conditions. But we felt that delivering an American race call to our listeners would be a great service. Let's relive the 2016 Prix de Paris and its American race call from late February. Everybody kind of starts. And uh, right now it looks like Bold Eagle's kind of the last to turn. Well, now it looks like Unissi de Gwens. And now they're just, they're all turning in a circle. So we'll have to see what uh, what goes on here as they try to organize themselves. Very, very interesting, uh, the difference of the starts. But uh, it looks like they're getting ready to go here. As they're coming from the circle and they're turning onto the racetrack. Once again, 4,150 meters. And it looks like they're turned for the start. And it looks like we've got a successful start. And Tomoko is blasting right out of there for the lead. And Bold Eagle, who started from the extreme center, is right to his outside. So it looks like these two... Will then dispute it out. There goes Athena the Vandal towards the inside. And finding an early seat fourth is Cadet CD. So they're going around this first turn. And Tomoku has the lead by a length and a half. Athena the Vandal settled right back down to the inside. And Bold Eagle is wide racing in third. And it looks like there are three deep here as they approach that first turn. So it is Tomoku, who's leading it by a half a length. Towards the inside, Athena the Vandal is right there. Up on the outside, Lionel's now making his presence felt. Bold Eagle is in between horses at the present. And caught out wide here as they race around the first turn comes uh, Bird Parker, who's uh, fourth. Towards the inside, Cadet CD is trapped to the inside. Currently, Bold Eagle is in between horses, about two lengths off the lead with no 
racing him. Still a long way to go, though, and is in back of Lionel. But Tomoku has the lead as they race around that turn. So it's Tomoku in front. But up on the outside, Bird Parker is now the challenger's second. So these two will go at one another as they race around that turn. Lionel is right there second over to the outside of Athena DeVandal, who's trapped to the inside in fourth. Bold Eagle has the cover flow. Is on the outside. is slightly gapped off cover. Cadet CD is to his inside. Third up into the flow is Eunice Deguez, and that one's about five and a half lengths away from the lead. So now they're double-deckered, and now taking the lead is Bird Parker. Tomoko yield to that leader. So Bird Parker's in front by a length. Tomoko is right there at the inside, second. Lionel continues on the outside, uncovered third. Towards the inside, Athena DeVandal is no place to go. Bold Eagle is currently second up, about two lengths away from the lead, and right behind that one is Unessi Deguez, perfectly perched third up into the flow, about five lengths off the lead. And towards that one's inside as they race uh, in the straight comes Tagata Tagata. So it's still Bird Parker. Lead is a half length. Challenged by Lionel. Towards the inside, racing in third position is Tomoku. Bold Eagle is perfectly perched. Second over. Strong on cover. Only a length and a half off the lead. Athena the Vandal is trapped to the inside. Unissi DeGuiz continues a third over ride. About six lengths away from the lead as they continue around a turn. And still with the lead at the inside is Bird Parker. So Bird Parker is still a length clear. Lionel continues to grind on the outside second. And right in back of him is Bold Eagle racing in third just by his time, and Tomoku is right there in the pocket position fourth. Athena the Vandal is locked to the inside fifth. There comes Tagata Tagata now. That one is right behind Unissi Deguez, who's third over. Tagata Tagata's fourth over, and about six lengths off the lead. So they continue patiently, and with the lead at the inside still is Bird Parker. Lionel's on the outside. These two continue to go at it, and right behind in that pocket spot at the inside is Tomoku, and Bald Eagle attempting to uh, create some history only a length and a half behind, continuing this second over going forth. So they continue on this long two-and-a-half-mile journey, and Bird Parker's still three parts of a length clear. Outside, Lionel continues this long, uncovered first over grind. Tomoku's at the inside, still without racing him third. Bold Eagle stone to a good hold by Frank Navarre in fourth, still only a length and a half off the lead, and still strong on cover at this point in time. Athena DeVandal is at the inside, fifth to the inside of Unissi Deguez, Fourth over to the flow is Tagata Tagata as they race around the final turn. No change in position. I think it's the final turn anyway. And with the lead by a length, it is still Bird Parker. Outside second is Lionel. Third at the inside, Tomoku. Fourth on the outside, Bold Eagle. Athena the Vandal still trapped to the inside, fifth. Unessi DeGuinz is maintaining third over position as they continue now with Bird Parker up still a length. No change in order. It's still Bird Parker by a length. Outside, Lionel's right at the leader's wheel. Second, at the inside, Tomoku's looking for racing room. Third, Bold Eagle continues to melt cover fourth. Unessi DeGuinz maintains third over position. Athena DeVandal's third at the cones, about sixth overall. Man maintaining a fourth over spot is Tagata Tagata. And now Bird Parker's trying to shake him. Bird Parker leads it by a length and a half, but Bold Eagle waits no longer. Bold Eagle sheds cover and is out for the drive. Tomoku is 
is gapped at the inside. Lionel still battles in between horses. Bird Parker has the lead. Bald Eagle's after him now, circling up three wide. Up to the leader's wheel, up to the saddle pad, gaining with giant strides now. And here's Bald Eagle on the outside, up to engage Bird Parker. They're in the home stretch. Bald Eagle takes the lead. Bird Parker could not fight on. Lionel's on the outside third. Bald Eagle's in heavy water. Here comes Lionel on the outside. Bird on the inside third. It's Bald Eagle game. Outside Lionel. From far back, Tagata, Tagata. They come down to the finish. Lionel upsets. Wow. That upset by Lionel was nominated for one of the uh, 2016 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. The upset of the year. So much more to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. John Palvanel will be joining us. That's up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, a year in review. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. It's our year in review show. And right now we're joined by John Pavanel. And John is a longtime horse owner, also has a very successful Facebook page that he created dealing with Harness Racing's rich history. John, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mike. Appreciate that. No problem at all. First of all, John, tell us about uh, the early days, how you got started in the sport. Okay, um, my dad used to take me to Roosevelt when I was 10 years old. And so all I remember was the wonder of it all, just seeing um, seeing the races, um, the atmosphere, the colors, really got me interested in it. So I kind of stayed that way until... The middle of 1979, when I met uh, Sid Mose, that's Jackie's dad, and a trainer by the name of Mike Petito, and he was called Big Mike at Freehold. So they talked me into buying a horse. Um, we bought that horse from the franchises, and the name of that horse was Steady New Yorker. And I didn't know much about the uh, owning aspects of the business, but I was about to learn. We had our first race 
1979, and the horse went off at 14-1. to And at the three-quarter pole, at three he was over 10 lengths ahead. And Big Mike turns to me and says, John, looks like we're going to get a good check. And I started chuckling because he was so far ahead. And he went at 14-1, my very first horse I owned. And that kind of, that was exciting. And by the way, if you want to know who drove that horse, I guess I could tell you that Jackie Moe, and that's all you got to know. Of course, uh, the phrase coined by the great Jack Eadley. Uh John, tell us about some of the horses uh, that you've owned uh, throughout the years. Oh, there's been a lot. Um, that State of New Yorker was the first one. Um I claimed the horse by the name of Dining Out in, I think, 1980. And I had a trainer by the name of Ronnie Parliament. A small-time guy, but he he, he knew the business. So we claimed the horse. uh, We took the horse over to Big Sky Farm that Nancy Whitemarsh used to manage. And she may still, I don't know. And... We had a groom by the name of George Ramos. So we took the horse out. We trained the horse three or four days later. And George noticed that for some strange reason, which happens once in a while, that he took the head check off the horse and trained him faster than we've ever seen him. So I got the bright idea George had his P license, had never had a parametral drive, so I put him down, and um, he was last at the three-quarter pole at 20 to 1, dead last, and he makes a five-wide move at freehold. Just imagine that. And uh, he wins the race, and that was amazing to me. Uh, And George Ramos actually now lives in Puerto Rico and reconnected with me on the Harness Racing History Facebook site. That was quite an experience. Um, We had horses by the name of Brylin Wonder, who uh, my good friend Bill Height trained, and um, just an average claimer, probably most of what I've had. Um, The highlight with that horse was my good friend Brad Rathbone, was in the amateur driving championships throughout the year, and he won four of them with Brylin Wonder. And I have those pictures, and they really just really come out nice. Um, then I had other... I had a horse by the name of Unconscious at Freehold, and he won seven in a row with my friend Hervé driving, and he got claimed, and... Hervé called me up and said, John, I just want to let you know that the new owner put me down on the horse, and I'm not going to drive him because you don't have him anymore. So that was a really nice gesture that Hervé um, gave to me, and I've been friends with Hervé all these years. Um, I really never had big-time horses, but in 2012, I partnered up with Jerry Silva and Marty Shaw. And we had Anthony Altamonte pick out a couple at the Harrisburg sale. 
So we wound up with Brave Alex Semelu and Roethlisberger. We paid, I think, about 50000 for each one. Um, Brave Alex Semelu made about a quarter of a million dollars in six months for us, racing up in Canada, uh, winning the Open frequently. And Roethlisberger started to race well and was claimed back from us, I think, for 75000 Those were really the best horses that I've ever had, Mike. And I live up here five minutes from Pocono Downs, and I've owned horses here and there up here, but it's kind of rough. It's uh, uh, it's mostly a claiming game, and uh, I call it rent-a-horse because every week a lot of these good horses have new trainers, new drivers. Um, I'm more of a traditional uh, harness racing guy. I like to see, um, as in the old days, I could see the same driver on the horse every week and the same trainer, and I could look at that program and I could look and see with boxed in. Uh, maybe you won't be boxed in this week. Um, that doesn't happen anymore now, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. The um, um, the strategy in the sport is different now. I, I personally like it better. John, let's switch gears a little bit. You're big into the history of harness racing. You're a collector. You've got some great things. Tell us about some of the artifacts uh, that you've come across as a collector over the years. Uh, thank you. I'd be glad to do that, but I just want to say, first of all, that if you really want to see all of the artifacts, take a trip down to the Har- Harness Racing Museum and Hall of Fame in Goshen. Um, that is the place, my friend. And the sad thing about our business is hard to believe if I told you that of all the horsemen in the country, there are only approximately seven to 800 members of the museum. And it's cheap. Um, it's great to go down there and spend the day, bring your kids. Um, and they've just recently um, acquired the original stall that Greyhound was in and have brought it to the museum log by log and it's going to be rebuilt and shown at the museum. Wow. And I got to tell you, that is just going to be something uh, really, really interesting. Um, and that that might create or will create some more interest. But the things I have are just a lot of harness racing material I have. Um the old country trot from Roosevelt, which was always back in the 50s, the preview to the Hamiltonian. I have the 1953 trophy won by L.B. Hanover. Um, I actually took that trophy to the Meadowlands uh, for the Roosevelt Raceway reunion and showed it there. Um, I have, this is really funny, I have the actual Adios Trophy from Vernon Downs in 1957, won by Torpid. And the funny thing is, the Adios at the Meadowlands, at the Meadows, I'm sorry, as we know now, 
wasn't in existence at that time. So my question has always been, um, and has been denied by a few scholars, whether or not the Adios really originated at Vernon. And I think it did, by the way. Um, I have the Little Brown Jug Trophy won by Nassimond in 1971. Hervey gave me that one. I have um, Sumac Lad's International Trot Blanket from 1963, and it's awesome. It's in gold and um, takes up almost an entire wall. And, of course, I have a complete set of Wallace books, which ran from 1886 reference books up to the 40s, and then was switched over to what we call the Black Book. And I have hundreds of books, thousands of programs, um, bound volumes of American Sportsman and the Horse Breeder, and probably one of the prize ones personally that I have is when Hervé won his 15,000th race down at Dover, um, a fellow up here in northeast Pennsylvania bottled some wine and put Hervé's name on it. Um, ordinary wine bottles. But he made one that was over 24 inches high and was signed by hundreds of horsemen down at Dover. Wow. And Hervé gave, gave me that. I have that. And I'm forever grateful to him for trusting me with a lot of his material. Um, we could speak all day about this. Um, the books, I'm not one to, um, um, obtain a scanner and scan them all. I want to keep them as they are. And, um, that's been what I've been doing. And I'm pretty much out of room in my house. I, uh, I went to the Rockingham Park sale in September, and brought back almost two truckloads of material, including programs and um, various famous artifacts from that track. The new owner who had purchased it gave the auction house only three weeks to gather up everything for the sale. The sale was a two-day sale, had to have thousands upon thousands of lots, um, and they sold lock, stock, and barrel out of there. Everything. And, and so that's some of the artifacts, but there's so much, Mike. Um, I try to share it as best as I can. Tell us a little bit about some of your favorite harness racing memories. Obviously, you've seen a lot of racing. You've seen a lot of great horses that have uh, come and gone. And, boy, we've seen a couple of real good ones in the age pacing ranks with always be Mickey and Wiggle and Jiggle. It's certainly a great year in 2016, but let's go back a little bit. What are some of the uh, great memories in the sport of harness racing? You have some of the great horses, in your opinion, that you've seen. Well, believe it or not, what drew me more to going to the track, um, to me, the announcers really made the difference. Uh, people like Jack Lee, uh, Bullet Bob Meyer, if you remember Bullet Bob? Absolutely. Larry Letterman was, um, God bless that man, he put a lot of humor into racing, and I love him to death. And then, of course, you have people like now, like Sam McKee and Ken, um, 
they make the races interesting and fabulous. Um, I, I, I really think the first track that really impressed me was when I went to the Meadowlands and saw the size of it, a mile track with um, the ability to watch them start the race and close the race with long stretches and a finish line. Um, that was really one of the first memories I ever had. And the fondest memory was actually going to the half-mile tracks and watching the horsemen race without a passing lane. Um, to me, the passing lane has made sport a little boring, only in my opinion. Um, there was more strategy at the time. We, um, we could handicap pretty easily. Not that we always did well, but we did well at times, and we were very proud when we could spot a horse that was boxed in the two-hole, which is now the golden hole, and uh, couldn't, couldn't get through that race. So um, the memories I have back then are not so much the horses. I've seen them all, um, most of the great ones, but it's the presentation of the races that seemed to impress me, and I don't see a whole lot of that anymore. Hello, this is Kayla Stra, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Visiting with John Palvanel. John, is uh, you've got uh, this great website, or I shouldn't say it's a website, it's a Facebook page, but... Uh, it's about harness racing history, and John, what you've managed to be able to do with that is, and we've talked about it off the air, it's just something unbelievable, something you certainly didn't expect to have the uh, outreach that you've had amongst all the uh, racing fans that really care about the sport's history. I belong to many uh, horseman sites that were primarily devoted to a racetrack. Pocono Downs, we have one. Monticello has one. But I got to thinking that wouldn't it be something if I could possibly in some small way help the sport by bringing together horsemen from all over the world. And that was my thought. I uh, never thought it was really going to happen. So what I did in March of this year was to put up a little note. Um, I started it off with 10 or 12 or 15 number of uh pictures, and it started to grow approximately 100 a week and hasn't stopped, and it's amazing. We have almost 17,000 members around the world now. We have 11,000-plus images in a library where you can type in your horse or your driver or your trainer, and you'll be able to get images. 
And that's not perfect. Facebook has to work on that. Uh, we've seen that sometimes you put it in, and you might get, if you put in Hervé Fillion, you, you'll get everything with just Hervé in it. So they have to work on that a little bit. Um, I only have three rules, and people have told me that's what's made it successful. There's no sales, no advertising, and no drama, period. You go to the site, and it's all pure harness racing history. We have members now all over the world, and I'm having trouble keeping track with it. Uh, we have Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, Sweden, Finland, Norway, Brazil, Canada. Um, yesterday, and forgive me, Stefan, if I can't pronounce your name right, we had a Stefan Winquist um, request to be joined from Finland, and he joined, started to look, and he posted on there thanking us for allowing him into the website. And I was amazed because it isn't that I expect people to thank us. I'm thanking them for participating. As an, Just as an example, have you ever seen Dan Patch's indoor half-mile track? Certainly not. All Life Barn? Have you ever seen that? No. No, you haven't. Did you know there's a Finnish horse who had 13 starts and won almost 350 races. I'm sure you didn't know that. <laughs> no. And what about pictures of Greyhound and Star Pointer and Hamiltonian? How many people have really seen all that? Well, guess what? Now you can go to Harness Racing History on Facebook and see all that. And it's still growing. And I'm feeling so humbled that uh, people have taken to this. Um, every day you go on there, you see reunions of people. We have had daughters who have posted that they saw pictures of their grandfathers racing for the very first time. And I must admit that the liquid sunshine comes out of my eyes once in a while looking at this. Yeah. It is truly... I am so humbled by it, I'm not ever dreaming that it would happen like this. Um, and that's just anybody who's not on it, go ahead and join and you'll be amazed. Don't expect uh, to advertise a piece of equipment or to, uh, um, to try to sell us something because the post will be deleted. It's not for that. But I'll tell you what, it's it's uh, make sure if you go there that you've got some time to spend because you can easily get lost and the hours can tick away by uh, scrolling through all the great uh, information and uh, materials on there that talk about this sport's great history. John Palvinell joining us. John, one final question for you. And I know we talked about this, and I think this is very important, especially for a lot of the newer people in the industry. What can harness racing uh, going forward in its marketing efforts, and obviously the sports talked about uh, trying to market in different ways, but in your opinion, what do you think harness racing, in terms of marketing, can learn from its past? Yeah, that's, that's a real tough question, Mike. Um, the sport 
has been mulling that over now for a long time. Um, what I'd like to say, first of all, that's helped is let everyone know that we have a fellow on Staten Island by the name of Dom Rebello. I don't know if any of you know him. Dom has digitized almost or over 1,800 races um, on his website, which is harnessdom.com. You can watch um, all the famous horses. You can listen to Jackie Lee. You can listen to Bullet Bob. Um, so I have to give kudos to Dom because he has really helped the sport in in a way that uh, probably nobody else could have done. Um, and the obvious answer is, you know, we need to get the younger generation to learn about the golden years of harness racing. Not much identification of Hall of Famers from individual racetracks as we should. We, um, we don't give them credit. Every track has a past and a history, and that should be emphasized. Most of the time, the emphasis is on uh, speed, and uh, that may be true for the breeders, but for the average Joe out here, um, we want to see good horses consistently if we can. Um, we don't really care, in most cases, how fast the race is going. We care on whether that $2 or $2,000 that we bet on a horse, we want to see that horse win. Frankly, we don't care if that horse goes in 47 or goes in 54. We're going to be happy just the same. Um, that needs to be looked at a little bit. Eliminate the passing lane would probably help the sport, although you're going to get a lot of slack from a lot of people. That's that's my opinion on that one. I have to stick with that. And um, the notion that because the industry is shrinking somewhat, the track owners can live with a 30 to 35% takeout and I think that's not acceptable. I think that's drawn a lot of people away from the business, and that needs to be looked at. And it's not only the um, marketing efforts of the USTA and individual tracks. I truly feel that the horsemen need a national association to represent them. And I've written letters... Um, doesn't seem to get anywhere, but basically I'm going to stick by the fact that we need a commissioner and we need an independent national organization to be funded by its own, by us, for solutions outside of the box that everybody else seems to be working on. Um, we, as individual horsemen, have nothing to say almost nothing to say on nationwide problems that surround us. And I'm hoping that strength in numbers eventually will, will, will help us. And, you know, my feeling, every time a track closes, Mike, Maywood Park closed, that's my track closing. Rockingham Park closed, that's my track is closing. Whatever happens to one track happens to all of us. 
we need to unite in some fashion and manner. And I don't have the answer for that. I really don't. I, I like the uh, plans that um, Joe Pinaccio put forward a little bit in his director's speech. I like the idea of a universal license for all the tracks and maybe universal health care for all the horsemen and retirement plan for those who are not at the big tracks. And I got to tell you, here in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of money right now, but it's not that way around the country. And that's how I feel. Otherwise, it's going to be a matter of attrition like we've seen. Um, uh, I, I just feel that we don't need to close any more tracks now. Now we need to, uh, us as horsemen, need to band together to find results. And, and we can do that in conjunction with the USDA. We can do it in conjunction with the track owners. But you can't do it individually because there's not enough effect. And that's how I feel about it, Mike. I think, you know, John, I think that's one of the challenges uh, that the next USDA president is going to have. And I make sure, I made sure that, you know, I posed that question to all three of them uh, so far that have announced their candidacy is trying to get each and every faction on the same page, whether it be horsemen, breeders, track owners. And uh, I know that's certainly a lot easier said than done. And uh, hopefully whoever gets elected can do that. Well, John, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, taking time out. Uh, and sit down and talk with us about uh, your fantastic Facebook page that you put together. Once again, it's called Harness Racing History. Uh, join it. John will let you in. Like I said, there's three simple rules that John went over, so just don't break those, and uh, you'll be in the, uh, a citizen in good standing over there. John, we certainly appreciate you joining us. One final time, if anybody wants to get involved uh, into that Facebook page, how can they go about doing so? Just go to Facebook. Type in Harness Racing History. Uh, you'll find it. I have personally accepted everyone into uh, the site that has uh, requested it. And since March, with almost 17,000 members, I've only had to delete maybe 30 or 40 posts that were put up advertising. And, and that won't stay up there. I won't have that. So that's all you got to do. And once you get in there, go to the head page, um, and you'll be able to research the library. And it is truly amazing by now. Absolutely amazing. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Welcome back. 
to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And it's time now to talk about Pompano Park. And Gabe Pruitt normally joins us from Pompano Park. But I'm going to highlight some of the goings-on at the Florida racetrack this week. The Pick 4 wager has been the place to be, according to track announcer and director of racing operations, Gabe Pruitt. They recently upped their Pick 4 guarantee to $10,000, and on Monday had a $21,000 pool. Tuesday had a $16,000 pool and an $11,000 pool on Wednesday at the South Florida track. It's definitely the home for winter racing. It's just a 12% takeout on the Pompano Pick 4. Again, that's a guarantee of $10,000 Sunday through Wednesday. Gabe says that it is a result of strong support that our patrons have shown for our nightly Pick 4 pool. With an industry low 12% takeout, this is no doubt better for the better, as he put it, and hopefully will have a positive impact on our sport and our loyal patrons. On Tuesday, excuse me, on Monday night, the Super High Five the jackpot wager that Pompano offers was hit yet again for $10,733.92. One lucky patron took home that ticket with a 20-cent investment with a horse that was uh, paying $2.80 to win the favorite finishing third in that 12th race. Another action, the Open 1 handicap happened on Tuesday, and Tater Twister reeled off his second victory in a row for trainer Mike Murphy and driver Mike Simons. They came into Pompano Park last week and just absolutely dominated the open ranks, having to start from post number six over Gold Savage, and she's all in. Racing continues at Pompano Park this week. First post is 7:20. Make sure you're getting in on the pick four action. Again, a guaranteed pool of $10,000. It's a bet that you are surely not going to want to miss each and every night at Pompano Park. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike's Year in Review Show. I'm Mike Bozich. One thing that I've learned in my 20 years of broadcasting is that there will be times where things don't work out from a technical point of view. Some beyond your control, others well within your control. And although I consider Post Time with Mike and Mike to be a smashing success, we have had our fair share of technological glitches, gaffes, and fumbles throughout the past year. As a matter of fact, you can probably find enough of them at our first three test shows to fill a whole program. Let's start with the very first few minutes of post time with Mike and Mike's existence, which include a less than desirable, quickly crafted, <laughs> just plain terrible open. <laughs>
Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Post Time with Mike. And, Mike, this is one of our first test shows. I'm Michael Carter, and we'll be joined momentarily by Michael Bozich. We're going to make him live now. Mike, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? We are on and live. Uh, Michael Carter joined by uh, Michael Bozich. And, uh, Mike, I'll let you go ahead and take the lead, my friend. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If Mike, you can need you help, hang up and then dial your operator. I can. Can you hear me? Well, it was clear that nobody could hear anybody in the early days of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Let's fast forward to test show number three, which had uh, quite a weird beginning. Hello, everyone. Joined by Michael Bozich. Mike, are you on air with us? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have Mike Bozich just yet. Are you, you guys, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Are you okay, calling this into is the Freddie show? Hudson. Yeah, this is Freddie Hudson. I was just calling in to wish you guys much luck. <laughs> appreciate it, Freddie. We uh, appreciate it. Do you have a question for our show before we begin? Uh, not really. I was just really calling up there. If you guys had anything on the international trot and stuff like that, um, I know that uh, I saw that. Uh, I think Clarissa posted that on Facebook over there. I'm uh, trying to Wonderful. give you guys a little support there. So I just All right. Well, we appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it, Freddie, and uh, thank you for calling, okay? Okay, thanks. Bye. Well, tonight we're going to go over, and we're still waiting on Mike Bozich. Again, this is why we call these the... Uh, the test episodes. So you want to make sure. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here. <laughs> so, I'm here. Tonight, uh, Mike, we got an action tech show. Yeah, we still we we sure do. Now you can hear me all right, correct? Yeah, we. I can hear you just fine. Oh, that's that's I didn't perfect. Know, I, okay. I, didn't, I, I got on literally just as I finished giving the rundown. Well, that's fantastic. I'm going to have to start calling this thing at about 2 o'clock, about five hours beforehand to make sure that that uh, I'm in good shape. When setting up the show, we go through blogtalkradio.com, and we set the length of the show, normally an hour and a half to two hours. Well, Mike Carter had other ideas and other thoughts. Let's listen into this classic post-time with Mike and Mike Gaff. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I uh, I made a small error when creating the episode. I only created it for 15 minutes instead of 90. So we're going to disconnect. We're, we're disconnecting in 10 seconds. I'm going to go live. There will be a link on our uh, blog talk website, and I will tweet it out here in just a moment. Unfortunately, we're being disconnected. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to end the episode, and uh, we'll uh, go live. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds good. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. One thing is for sure. Back in the early days, post time with Mike and Mike needed a lot 
of help. We'll wrap things up when we come back on this year-in-review edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Ben America. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up, up to $300 with Bet America's 100% deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. Back on Post Time with Mike and Mike's Year in Review Show. I'm Mike Bozich. Post Time with Mike and Mike was honored to have the chance to broadcast the 2016 Breeders' Crown Races live from the Meadowlands, and even more humbled to visit the stables of Hall of Famer Jimmy Tactor. Tactor just recently was named Trainer of the Year for the third season in a row and a record-extending sixth time in his career. We had photo ops with Harness Racing's fastest pacer Always Be Mickey, a tour of Tactor's beautiful barn area, and a chance to sit down at his inner sanctum talk about some of Jimmy's memories of years gone by. We're sitting right here in the stables here, and uh, why don't you tell, give our listeners a little bit of a, a background here of your stable in this very land here. How many uh, head of horses do you have? How many people work for you? And it's a very beautiful facility. Uh, we have about 100 acres here. We purchased this uh, about 17 years ago and uh, and uh, we sat on it for a year and decided how we're going to build a farm. I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm a city guy, believe it or not. My father was a racehorse trainer and not so much with young horses and we we never lived on the farm. So so this was new for me. I mean, uh, you know, but I wanted, I know what I wanted on the farm and uh, we built this farm. Uh, it took us about two years to complete everything and, uh, and we live on the farm and uh, and we've been here since uh, 15 years now in on the farm so it's uh, we have about uh, I think we have 96 stalls here but I don't want to, I don't want to have a larger stable I've been trying for years to cut down but you know with the success we've been having it's very hard I mean you know it's we have a lot of owners that want to have horses and I try to say I, I want to have a little lesser operation I mean I've done this for 35 years here and uh, it's 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 not easy. I mean, I, last year, uh, two years ago, I uh, no, actually, t- uh, last year I, I really got sick myself. Yeah. You know, I uh, end up in the hospital. Uh, they thought I died, basically. You know, and and I mean, it's uh, you gotta you gotta start thinking that uh, it's not just the horses. You gotta take care of your health too. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, it's pressure on, and I like excitement, like uh, harness racing. You know, special British Crown time. This has uh, been my uh, 
you know, life basically, you know, these these uh, big races. So we have a here on this farm uh, probably going to have about 70 horses, maybe, hopefully less uh, this winter. And uh, we have, we have a staff of about 30 people working. I have my own blacksmith, and I have two maintenance guys take care of the farm and. Uh, and uh, so it's uh, it's a big operation, you know, and quite a few people for the amount of horses we have. But uh, we have a great structure like that, you know. We have everything on this farm. We have straight tracks. We have a launching house, and uh, I mean, we have just about everything you can have on the farm, you know. So it's uh, it's a great facility. Let's talk about uh, always be Mickey for just a few minutes. Great race last night. Um, once again, two warriors, two champions, duking it out in the stretch. Always be Mickey was sitting pocket, pulled the three quarters, and it was on. It was an epic stretch goal. Give us your thoughts of that uh, that race. Well, you know, I, I, the race basically came up exactly like I thought it would. I mean, you know, I know Wiglet would, you know, use his skate speed, and uh, and he came there, you know, fairly easy, and he got a very soft traction. You know, I mean, when I saw the half, I say, gosh, this is going to be hard. You know, I mean, I know that horse can, uh, and he he fight his heart out that horse. You know, and uh, when David pulled him in the middle of the last turn, you know, I mean, uh, my horse looked great and powerful, but then I know the same token, Wiglet haven't used himself either, you know, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, when I saw 22 uh, to 3 quarter, I, you know, I, it's going to be hard, because normally when we go that slow to the 3 quarter, he's been beating me every time, you know, and, uh, and, uh, but, uh, and even middle of the stretch, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't think we we're gonna go by him, but uh, he had that, you know, that uh, that make him unique, that that kick, that little turbo. It's like you have like a little turbo charge, <laughs> and he and he and he end up winning actually fairly easy. Yep. But you know, it, it look he look he didn't look like a winner uh, hundred yards before yep. the wire. He didn't, you know. So it's you know, I, it was to me, I you know, I mean, you know, I. It might was my greatest, uh, you know. I mean, one of the greatest moments I've seen in a horses race. I mean, it was. I give the credit to you know, uh, wiggling, jiggling how great horse he is. But you know, it's. On the, uh, Mickey is to me the maybe the best pacer we ever had. Wow, you just took the. I was going to ask you what you thought <laughs> where you stood as far as pacers go, but obviously the TBG is next, and then you know it's kind of off the greener pastures for Mickey. Uh, you know, looking at his entire career, I mean, you said he's, you know, probably one of the best pacers you ever had. But compared to like Money Maker and other horses that you've had, where does he stand in comparison to the rest, to the whole group of horses? Well, mostly, ti mostly time, uh, these great horses, you know, they have one thing in common. I mean, it's uh, they love to win. And you know, it's it's that's something you know. Me as a trainer, I, I have not nothing to do really with that, you know, because that's what they're born with. You know, it's you can you cannot teach them uh, uh, to do that. That's they just God make it these horses, and uh, and they uh, as a trainer, I'm just lucky to be the one to have those horses, you know. But. You know, it's it's all the other things. You know, with these horses, you gotta keep them motivated I and mean, keep them uh, inspired for what they're doing. You know, and that's 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 the biggest trick. You know, because I mean, when they get sour at this and uh, don't losing that ambition, you know, gotta watch, keep uh, keep eye on that. You know, but they are pretty bulletproof. Money maker was exactly like this one. You know, yeah, she 
you know, she rarely disappoints you. I mean, uh, you know, we flew over to Europe so many times, and uh, if we had a bad week, you know, she was sick, and you know, uh, you know, Mickey's the same, you know, same kind of horse, you know, and every great horse get beat, and uh, that's the way it is, you know, and uh, and because uh, it's so sm small margin, winning and losing is a lot of times not look at Mario Marada. He won the Triple Crown. If you add up the distance, he won the Triple Crown. Combined, it's a half a length. You know, so mm -hmm. it's really not that much. So it's, it's just a fine line. Does winning ever get old? <laughs> you've had a lot of you. It raises to say that you had six Breeders' Crown champions last year. Uh, obviously, you've trained a lot of great horses. Does does it ever get old? Not these kind of races don't get old. I mean, you know, it's like you get spoiled. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's you know you you know actually I got that on the Twitter. It was 23 years ago today. I won my first Breeders' Crown. Wow! Wow! So. Uh, and that was special because I drew myself and I, you know, but uh, great horses, great races, no, I don't get old. Does you anyone know? stand out to you? Any Breeders' Crown Championship stand out to you as special or are they, they all equal? Well, you know, some are little surprises and, you know, it's like, you know, but uh, I, I think this one yesterday is, is, <laughs> is maybe yeah. the one, maybe because it's the freshest one. Yeah. It was fun to win with my brother too last year. That was good. Now, uh, I've got one more question, actually. Uh, when we come in here, we see Trixton on the wall. Yeah. It was your first Hamiltonian driving win, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that like to drive? Well, you know, because I, I went in, in into the race, and uh, I mean, I basically, I mean, I basically gave up the driving. I used to drive a lot when I was younger, and, uh, and you know, it's hard to do everything. But Trixton was a little tough horse, you know, and, and, uh, he wasn't really that type of horse, you know. Uh, he had lo also a lot of problems, you know, and hind uh, anchors was shit, you know. I mean, we had to nurse them through. Um, unfortunately, it was too much issue there. Otherwise, he would have had a much, much better racing career. His ability was as good as any horse I ever had. But uh, so I ended up driving him, but that year I had the three best horses. Right. You know, and Father Patrick was the best one by far. I mean, he's maybe the most gifted trotter I ever had. And uh, of course, Nuncio was, you know, a great horse too. So those two was basically the two best ones. You know, uh, we finished first, second, and third in the Stanley Dancer uh, the week before, and I right. was the one that was third. But, uh, you know, I, uh, somehow, it, you know, it worked out for me. I mean, you know, of course, you know, I'm a little funny like that because. When I crossed the wire, I said, what happened to Patrick? Because I didn't saw him, he made a break. I was kind of right away disappointed. What happened right. to him? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> You're expecting him to come up and catch And, and, and it sounds very sick, you know, because, you know, it's like the picture wasn't perfect for me. Patrick was the one that's supposed to win. Right. But, uh, you know, and, uh, of course, you know, when you... Then you finally hit the eye, shit, I want to have it But you don't, you know, at that moment, I swear I didn't think about it. Yeah. I didn't, you know, because it felt wrong that I shouldn't win it, you know. But but then, of course, now, a couple of years later, it's it's something you, you know, you're in the history book yourself, yeah. you know, and that, that makes you a little special too, you know. I mean, it's, it's just a great feeling. Most time with Mike and Mike's year in review show rolls on. Gabe Pruitt's up next from Pompano Park, plus a little later on, bloopers. 
All that and more coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. tell you all about betamerica.com. It is the fastest growing legal, safe and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. Bet America covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK and my home country, Australia. New players to Bet America receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, I'm Mike Bozich. We appreciate you joining us for our 2016 year in review as we look back on some of the serious matter and some of the lighter fare that this program has brought to the table. When we sign off today, it will be our 73rd episode in the books, and there are plenty of people to thank and a major favor to ask. If you like our programming, please show your appreciation by patronizing our sponsors. Bet America, The Stable.ca, Pompano Park, Embroidery Unlimited, New Vocations, Friends of Maryland, Standard Breads, VIP Stables, Harness Racing Fan Zone, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, The Standard Bread Owners Association of New York, The Trotcast, Mark Weaver, Hoosier Park, and Essential Touch. Also, thank you to the Horseman Management Announcers, USTA, etc., for never, ever turning us down for an interview. We thank you for being so gracious with your time throughout this past year. On behalf of all of us, Mike Bozich and family, Mike Carter and family, Garnett Barnsdale, Jessica Auden, and all of the Post Time with Mike and Mike broadcast team, we wish you a very happy, healthy, prosperous, and safe New Year. And we will see you next Thursday in the year 2017 with a Post Time of 7 p.m. Eastern. Good night, everybody. I know who-